Today on episode 102 of the Home of Play podcast, Cyberpunk 2077's new gen versions and 1.5 patch are officially out. X-Witcher 3 Cyberpunk 2077 developers form a new studio. And EA reportedly said Halo Infinite surprise launch hurt Battlefield 2042. <laughs> All that and more. How could you, Halo? Let's get some intro. Happy Monday and welcome home, everyone. Welcome back to episode 102 of the Home of Play podcast, where every Monday the two best friends join forces to give you the latest in PlayStation rumors, news, reviews, and that is because we're the true PlayStation fans. I'm your host, Stephen. With me, I'm joined by the king of platinum trophies himself, Christopher. Hello, hello. The Home of Play podcast is a self-supported podcast. We don't include any of that bias or paid for opinion stuff that you do not need here. This allows us to bring you the PlayStation news that you actually need or want to know. All of our content is free if you enjoy it at your leisure. We only ask that you help support the show by subscribing to the Home of Play podcast, by telling your friends, family, and the G.I. Joes about the show, and that they can find us on all your favorite podcast services of choice, such as Spotify, Apple, or Amazon. Every month we're growing, and it's all because of your lovely gaming homies, helping spread the cause through the power of word of mouth. If you have any comments, questions, or complaints, please send any of those to our email address, homeofplaypodcast at gmail.com. And then we can read your questions on the show or alone in private while we discuss all the crazy long listed things that are in the cyberpunk next gen update. And uh, it's a huge list. Trust me. On today's episode, we have plenty of news articles for you. But before we get to all that, as always, let's begin with what we've been doing this last week. And I think I know what Chris has been doing, but let's let him tell us. Cyberpunk 2077. I have downloaded <laughs> He didn't expect that. <laughs> oh, that's a lie. That's a lie. It's not a lie. Uh, once you had told me that the next gen version was out, I promptly downloaded it. I turned it on and I spent about half an hour making my character. And that's about it. <laughs> but but I, but I did that. <laughs> so I'm ready for to go uh, when I have a chance. But who knows when that's going to happen? So I play a little bit of cyberpunk, just the intro bit for like the little tiny tidbit of that uh and then uh dying light 2 i played a little bit more of that i'm still in the first section of the world i assume there's only the two sections but just still having fun just running around doing side quests one thing i read in like the trophy news was that uh some side quests are timed in the sense that if you go too far in the story you can't you won't be able to do the side quests they won't come up anymore apparently you can redo them uh maybe like in the co-op mission section like you could go back and do it that way but i didn't want to count on that so now it's like every time i do a story mission i have to double check and make sure there's no side missions that popped up after that so it's kind of a pain in the ass and that maybe i'm overthinking it which i probably am but uh, i'm still having fun with it but i still no patch since day one so and there's still a lot of issues uh not nothing like game breaking but a game annoying uh in a way there's just the big thing is like when you're doing that sonar thing to scan for gear and items and whatever, sometimes the button just doesn't work and you have to pull up the menu or some menu and then put the menu away and then the button works again. So that like, I guess that's kind of game breaking, but it's, it's not because there's like a workaround, but just annoying. Other than that, that's probably maybe like four to six hours of my week. The rest of my time has gone to Lost Ark. I'm loving it. So much fun on PC. Uh, I think it's only on PC right now, but yeah, I'm having a blast. Uh, 
if I had to give it just a flat review um, without giving you much details, because we talked about this game already uh, in the last, I think, week or two, um, I'd, I'd probably give it a solid 8 out of 10, which you might be like, well, well, how can you be so into it if it's not like a 9 or a 10? And like, it, it maybe is a 9 or a 7, give or take, preference aside. Uh, my big thing is like, I don't have another game currently out that even competes at that level <laughs> with like an 8. So it's like Dying Light is average at best. It's, it's, it's fun, but it's not like I need to play this type of thing. Yeah, so I'm having a, a ton of fun with it. I just hit the level 50, uh, which is kind of, I would call it like, the, like not the like soft cap, but uh, I think the max level is 60 from what I understand, because as soon as you hit 50, it takes forever to level up. Uh, but And that's when a lot of the end game content unlocks too. So I haven't done any of the end game content, but... I'm just having so much fun going through the story, doing the dungeons and all that kind of stuff. I'm just having a blast. It's great. Good times. That's pretty much been my week in gaming. And it's been a lot of Lost Ark. Like, I, I, I'm signing on pretty much every single day, even if it's only for like half an hour just to do some maintenance stuff because you, you get certain daily limits of, to do certain things. So I jump on, just do those and then sign out. But uh, having a blast. How about yourself? I haven't. I don't think I've seen you online that much this week. No, um, I didn't get a lot in again this week. But it was after we finished recording last week's episode that I got the majority of my gaming in, and I spent a lot of time with you, also playing Lost Ark, and I enjoyed my time with you. And I think that's when I realized that I I think I'm only enjoying this game because of other people. Uh, and having a game to play with people, I think, is what I was enjoying. And once you weren't there to hold my hand anymore, I've lost all interest in it. <laughs> and it's not even for me to say it's a bad game. I'm not saying that whatsoever. I think there's enjoyment to be like had in this experience. Um, I even recommend most people try it. You have nothing to lose. It's a free-to-play game. I mean, I guess... The only restrictions would be like, can your PC run it? I don't think it's that demanding though. So I assume most times the answer is yes. And I would tell people, yeah, definitely give it a, a try if you have the free time. I think what I'm starting to understand about myself is I'm going through another metamorphosis. And what I mean by that is I recognize when I was in my mid 20s that for whatever reason this hit me, but I eventually just. I was very hardcore in a first-person shooter, competitive play, multiplayer Call of Duties, Battlefields, uh, you name them, I was playing them, having a great time, always online. And when you come to, like, current day, Steve, I don't play those games anymore. And I don't know what changed, just something in me. I prefer single-player games. I prefer story, narrative-driven games, and... Now I'm starting to think that's happening again, and it's with these games of a service or MMO style games where I feel like my perceptions has changed again, and I'm starting to see the carrot. Um, well, I've always seen the carrot. I guess the only way I could say this is I now see the string attached to the carrot, and I'm not attracted to this anymore. Uh, I think Destiny burnt me the most, and I'm not blaming Destiny. It's just it became so prevalent that you could just, you saw the endless grind. You saw that there was never going to be an end. And you, like you were already kind of alluding to is that you'd have to come on and just to do these dailies because they set caps 
and it, it triggers my PTSD from Destiny, where it's like you come back on Tuesday because Tuesday's refresh, and you do these three things again because you couldn't do them, and then you're done for a week. And I just nothing against these games i think they speak to certain people and you know we can include many games uh diablo any loot based things um gearboxes borderlands like any of these games there's just there's no real end and it's just i think i don't mind gear chasing but when it just goes on forever and it becomes this like just way overblown cycle of rinse and repeat i i just don't have that attention span anymore and it might have something to do with my lifestyle now where I just don't have a lot of time to waste like that. And maybe even using that word is a little harsh, but I think that's what's happening. So I really do recommend lost Ark to people. And I don't want to put it down in any capacity whatsoever. I just, I think it's a me issue again. And I think that's when I compare this to other games that I look forward to in the future. And they'll also have, you know gear to look for like even elden Ring's going to have armor sets and builds and stuff like that but there's going to be bosses progression and eventually sadly there will be an end and i think that's you know my issue now i see the carrot i see the stick and it, it's turning me off and I, I think that's the only way i could really put that the one thing i could say for lost ark is there is an overarching story unintended mm-hmm, for sure which is nice uh whereas I felt like some of the other MMOs, I won't name them specifically, I felt like I was just going through the motions. And you do in this as well, but there's no like end goal in some of those other games. It's like investigate and just move forward. And that, that's what you're doing. This one, it's like I could see what the basic end goal is, which is kind of nice. So that gives mm-hmm. me a little bit more hope. Uh, other than that, I'll say I could st- I'm still willing to join you on your journey too. So... <laughs> I know, I know I'm ahead of you. Like, I, I miss so many yeah. collectibles and challenges and stuff. So even while you're just trying to do some of the story stuff, I could be running around trying to find collectibles and stuff. And then at least if I find them, I could be like, hey, come grab it. And then you're and, just ready. And I will say, like, if a huge group of people are playing, I, I'm not, it's not impossible that I'm going to jump on and do it as well. Um, I will say, though, the one thing you brought up when you're talking about questing is I kind of had this conversation with another person and it, you know, it kind of hit me. I had an epiphany and it was basically that like, I was almost bragging how I liked Lost Ark's quests because they're not as egregious as, you know, something like World of Warcraft where it's like collect 18 bunny skins. So it's like, you have to kill the bunnies, but it, it's not always going to drop from the bunny. And, or other times it's like, you know, go to four of these locations, but they're just so far apart and it's just a, a super annoying and unnecessary. Lost Ark is really good about making it less grindy and, you know, time wasting. But after I had this conversation, I kind of like, that's when the epiphany hit me. I'm like, but it almost like spotlights the fact that it's like, then why am I doing this in the first place? If it is so short and it is so small and like, and unnecessary, then I'm like, maybe we don't need these like ridiculous amount of small quests that, that essentially is the only way you get experience in this game. Like that is the other downside where, some of the other games, like, and some went too far, like Final Fantasy Eleven was only the grind and only killing monsters was like the best way to get experience, uh, where I feel like World of Warcraft was a good mix of both, where you get experience from both, where Lost Ark is just these pointless quests, and I think that's one of the weird things I, I've come back to just noticing, I guess. 
but uh oh otherwise like yeah it's good um but man man <laughs> that's the speaking to you right now chris seven days seven days seven days technically less i guess six hours or six days and a couple hours but i am like i'm i am not kidding you chris i'm dreaming about this game like i've already made a class in my head somehow when I, when I was dreaming i want this game so bad i think that's my other issue too is like maybe this is why i can't concentrate on things like lost ark or just because like this is all i want and i oh man elden ring like i cannot wait i'm so excited for like well it's just the game in general but even like the the group we've amassed that i know we're going to get to play this game with as well. And we're all going to have our own stories to tell and which directions we chose to go. Did we skip entire dungeons and go a different, like, Oh man, I could go on. We could have a whole episode about that, you know, <laughs> just hypotheticals and all that kind of stuff. So I'm seeing someone who's not going to want to record next Friday. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you for telling me that I have to, uh, I have to give my wife forewarning that next weekend is off limits. That's uh, that's a marriage vacation um, <laughs> starting next weekend. Uh, I need her out of the house like Saturday, Sunday, seat, possibly Monday. Cheating with you on Elden Ring. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's like you're either playing this game with me, babe, or you're getting on my way. But like, I, yeah, I don't do that often. I think that's why she's going to be okay with it. I never really ask for Steve time, but. Uh, I'm definitely going to need Steve time. I've, you know, we've done our waiting. It's, t you know, I'm just so happy that we have games. Like maybe we should take a second to talk about that. Yeah. That we have games, Chris, you have dying light. You have lost arc. You have cyberpunk next gen, current gen version, whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, we're going to have Elden ring. Many people this weekend are going to experience horizon forbidden West. I'm just so happy for us as gamers, but we need to get into some news. Capcom is teasing something with a new countdown. This one comes from Game Informer. Capcom tweeted out a random link today, and upon clicking it, you're brought to a relatively blank screen that features a countdown both in days and in hours. Upon closer inspection, some fans have noticed that the font of the countdown is pretty similar to the font Capcom has been using in the newest Resident Evil entries, such as Resident Evil 7 or Resident Evil Village. Village was just released last year, and Capcom has already said Village DLC is on the way. With that said, it wouldn't be surprising if the DLC awaits us on the other side of the countdown. Of course, it could also be the heavily rumored Resident Evil 4 remake that Chris is excited for, and the last possible entry. I mean, I guess it could be more than this, but a lot of people are saying that um, one important thing to note is that it could be related to Capcom Street Fighter series. The countdown ends three days after the finale of Capcom Street Fighter Pro Tour. So, Chris, you know, I guess we there's many questions that could come from this. What out of the three that I've listed, what do you think is most likely? And of the one you think it is, does that excite you? Well, the DLC for Village, we've like it's it's confirmed. We know it's happening. So. Is it going to be a trailer for the DLC? That's a possibility. It's probably a high possibility. Uh, Resident Evil 4, that's what I think people would want to see more of. Um, is that coming out now? Too soon? I don't know. Uh, Street, Street Fighter, I don't care for it, so it doesn't bother me. I hope it's not Street Fighter, but whatever. It is each to each their own. Uh, for me... I'm fine with either one. I, I think it's probably something to do with Resident Evil Village DLC. 
And that's probably a good thing because in all honesty, for some reason, deep down in the back of my mind, I feel like I want to play it again. I don't know. I, I have I have like, a, I know there's so, we're talking about so many games that are coming out right now, but I feel like I want to do another playthrough of it. So I, I kind of hope it would be. But then again, mm-hmm. if it is, then it's then I'll pretty much I won't touch the game until the DLC comes out. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm of similar mind as you. I think. I mean, if I was to say what I, I, I hope it is, it's actually the DLC for uh, Resident Evil Village. Um, only because, like yourself, I enjoyed that game. I don't think I could replay it because the last or maybe second last. Well, I don't know what you want to call it. Like, you know, the term biomes used a lot. I factory. feel like the last biome. Uh, yeah, the factory. Let's talk about that or chapter, whatever you want to call it. Classify it as. But I dislike that the most uh, is easily the least fun i had in that game um so i don't know if i'd replay completely but i would definitely be interested in some dlc and i definitely would come back and try that um i'm not super excited about the resident evil 4 remake i i'll probably end up trying it out i just i kind of feel like and i could be absolutely wrong but i feel like resident evil 4 remake is something you want to save for an e3 or a major state of play announcement or any of those kind of bigger showcases and even just Capcom's own showcase. Um, I just don't know if you'd randomly put a weird little timer that only gave people six days. Although I have to point out, we've watched some Capcom showcases in the past and they are awful. <laughs> that is very true. <laughs> they are just not true. that entertaining or even shows that much. Like what it was it like felt like 30 minutes and it was like monster hunter DLC or something. I don't know. Like, I don't even know what it was. Well, you're not wrong. I think, though, that is because they have the bigger reveals. Like, you know, I believe it was a PlayStation showcase when they revealed uh, Resident Evil 2 Remake. Yeah. And, you know, they do things like that quite often. And so that's why I kind of, I just, yeah. I I mean, we did have that rumor recently. Resident Evil 4 Remake says it's going to be revealed soon. I just don't know if that, this is that, you know, crossing line or that uh, connecting line. but. I, you know, I just, yeah, I'm going to say my guts, the DLC, and I really hope that's the real thing. Like yourself, please don't be Street Fighter. <laughs> like, you know, and Street Fighter is fine. It has its fans. I get it. It's just for you and me, you know, yeah, I think nothing. we'd be more excited. Yeah. Yeah. I, if they show a, like a gameplay trailer of Resident Evil 4 remake and it looks anything like the Resident Evil 2 remake, I'm going to get super hyped. I like, I, I, I because I love the second remake so much. So if if it if they show that and it looks even slightly similar, now Resident Evil 3 remake, we've talked about that one was kind of a letdown for mostly the length of the game. Gameplay was okay. Uh but it was yeah, if, if 4 ends up being anything similar to 2, uh I'm going to be super stoked. So let's move on to the next article. Ubisoft emphasizes its independence amid a wave of gaming acquisitions. This one goes from IGN. Isgama said, in quotes, Having said that, if there were an offer to buy us, the board of directors would, of course, review it in the interest of all stakeholders. Ubisoft wants stakeholders to see it as successful at slow growth over time, as opposed to a company that spends lots of money buying other companies. As evidence, it points at what it's built over the years doing exactly that. Its library of IPs like Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed, and Assassin's Creed. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. 
Far Cry and the Tom Clancy games, and more alongside various proprietary technologies and rather ironically, its company culture and organizational structure. So I think the summary of this one is basically that Eastgamon, I definitely don't think wants to be acquired. And I think he's trying to show his shareholders that why they shouldn't want this. And, you know, it makes sense. All the effort they put in not getting, you know, that corporate takeover before Vivendi. And when they were trying to take him over and Eastgamon fought tooth and nail to keep that company, you know, successful and with their control and I, I just don't think he wants it and that's you know this is positive news to me like I like to hear this I feel like the quote you started on is more him having to answer the shareholders and you know what would his take be if he like approached and given an offer so obviously you have to say well yeah we have you know legally we literally have to review it and take it uh, you know, in interest of the stakeholders, as he quotes. Um, but yeah, he, cl- I, I don't know. I read it. And to me, it's like, I don't think he would want this. I I've seen some article or like uh sites take this and definitely spin in a different direction. Like that. He'd be totally open and willing to do this. And I'm like, I don't think so. Honestly, just the way he says it, like it's only in like response to the question. Exactly. And I think he spent way more time trying to explain why they're successful without the need of being acquired. So, yeah, I think it's, I mean, like he says, it's based on the board of directors and the stakeholders. And I think what they need to do is really sit themselves down, have a good look at where the company's going right now. Like they're talking NFTs. They're talking about changing to like more of a live service game, if that wasn't even more possible. So I don't know. I think they really need to like take a look at themselves and I'm not saying they should sell. I'm saying they should look at switching directions at this point because they're the company's doing some weird moves that I don't think are going to be beneficial for them based on my reaction and others reaction. So yeah, I took it a different I way. I somewhat <laughs> agree with you. The The problem is like, you know, I was going to have it in homework, but we can talk about it here, where one of the articles that came out this week is Assassin's Creed Valhalla makes Ubisoft more than $1 billion. Yeah, but they're but now they're changing directions, right? Because now they're talking about the game's going to be, you know, totally different, the next one. You're right. Well, the next one, because I, you know, we've, uh, we, we kind of like, we were going off purely off of speculation, but me and you both predicted that this infinity thing they were looking at it's just what the years they were quoting it would be way too long to go without an assassin's creed so i kind of think though the one you're referring to is definitely like okay we just need something can you guys please put something together so people aren't waiting four years for another assassin's creed game um so i think it's a one-off it's kind of like um you know what it reminds me of assassin's creed rogue that only came out for the ps oh no i'm not talking about that i'm talking about that one that the one that they're talking about where it's going to be like its own live service and they're, they're not. Oh, infinity. Okay. Yeah. Like the one that they're, where they're saying it's going to, it could be like the last assassin's creed. They're just going to be constantly changing the world and adding things to it constantly. Yes. Like evolving mutants or something. But and that, that is where I'm trying to make the connection yeah. though. I think Valhalla making them a billion dollars. That is the most live service game we've ever seen from them True. with, uh, you know, Odyssey did have its own expansions, but I feel like, 
you know, we're what two years, uh, or not two years, sorry, we're going into year two of Valhalla. Uh, you're getting major expansions, but you're also getting smaller DLC expansions. And I don't think they've ever bloated more content in an already bloated game. So I, I feel like Valhalla is like a stepping stone of what you would see in the like what you'd see from Infinity. It, it's literally like the training wheels on the tricycle of what Infinity will become. And I, I agree with you. I don't love seeing or hearing this. It's just when it, you know, you just made a billion dollars off of one like title. Uh, it, it's, I don't know. It feels like it's going to be really hard to get them to do U-turn and turn all around. Yeah. Moving on. The Last of Us TV show will not air this year. This one comes from Push Square. The Hollywood Reporter published 20 questions with HBO Max programming chief Casey Bloys. I pray to God I'm saying that right. And he remarks that the show is shooting right now in Canada and that we haven't announced an air date yet. He added, it's not 2022. So I think a lot of people were assuming it was 2022. Why did I even bother putting this in the news? I think the the slight undertone to this that I want to uh, talk about primarily is me and Chris have a theory. I think it's a running theory, and I think we're correct still to this date that they are going to release the remake of The Last of Us with this show's release, uh, or like slightly after, if it does get popular. So basically, this article is not so much about the show, but I think this means the remake is being delayed as well. Even though it hasn't even technically been revealed, uh, yeah, you're not going to see the remake of The Last of Us until 2023, after the show airs. I would agree with you 100% on that. I would almost say you could quote us that we are have sources inside the company. We don't, <laughs> but I think we're so on point with this. It's sickening. I guess I also want to add, or just ask you before we move off this very small article, are you excited for this show at all? Uh, I haven't really thought about it. I mean, if there was nothing else on, I would watch it. Like, I, mm-hmm. I was probably... I'm less interested than like what when I was interested in the Witcher. So I, Mm. but I'll probably, I'd probably watch it just to see what they're going to do with it. I I feel like I'm not excited at all. And I'll tell you why. I think the Witcher, we found out it's based more on the books. Yeah. So for me, I'm like, oh, this is going to be a different take. Yeah. I'm not going to totally know what's going on. Right. uh, Which excited me. But with The Last of Us, we've played the last of us we played the best version the the longer it's almost like comparing the book to the movie scenario where the game's going to be the longer more detailed rich version where i feel like the show is going to just be more like cole's notes is that what i'm looking for mm-hmm. uh and it's just going to be very shortened little i mean i'm sure i'll be fine still but it's just like mean you already know this story yeah and I don't know. How, I mean, maybe they completely change it and all the good stuff. And I'm totally wrong. And I really kind of hope I am. But for the most part, I yeah, I don't know. Every time it's brought up that I'm not, I just don't feel the excitement. Yeah, it might be too far away still. Or I don't know. Maybe I just don't follow TV schedules enough anymore. And maybe a trailer comes out and then I totally change my mind. Yeah. That that's kind of I think what we need to say. Let's treat it like a game. We need to see at least a gameplay trailer. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Dragon Age 4 is reportedly in very good shape ahead of a potential 2023 release. This one comes from VGC. Venture Beat journalist Jeff Grubb, who provided an unofficial update on BioWare's... That company's still around? Game during the latest episode of premium giant bomb show Grub Snacks. In quotes, that brings us to Dragon Age 4, which I've heard is in a very good shape, he said. Overall, when they look at where they're supposed to be in the development cycle, they are hitting their milestones and where they're supposed to be, and the game is on schedule. I don't know what schedule that would be, since it's nobody <laughs> knows, and I don't think at this point. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Based on Grub's sources, Dragon Age 4 is unlikely to be released until the second half of next year at the earliest. It is still at least 18 months out from today, so not early 2023, maybe late 2023 maybe that's a lot of maybes that seems to be the earliest you can begin to expect it he said grub also claimed that there are no plans for a remastered dragon age trilogy similar to mass effect legendary edition so chris before we move on we need to discuss this do we i don't think this is a good thing i think he's trying to play it off and it's probably because i do feel like now people are trying to almost make up for how bioware has been treated since anthem since massive mass effect on andromeda um all these issues and i think people want to champion them as the underdog now but what i really want to give people um something to really chew on here is that dragon age 4 has been in development since 2015 so this on a schedule crap i don't even want to hear it that maybe it's true, but when you actually like, and I did do the research on this because I knew like just something in my head, there was like a, like a red flag instantly on the play and maybe yellow flag, who knows, whichever sport has flags. Let's <laughs> I'm the red one. Okay. And anyway, yeah, like Mike Laidlaw, uh, you know, he was the game's creative director. He left, so he's gone and he was starting work on this game in 2015 then they stopped production because I think it was Andromeda was in such bad shape. I can't remember. And or it was Anthem. So then they stopped development altogether to fix these other problems. Then it picked up in 2018 again. And then I, I believe that's my, maybe when Mike left. Um, then they switched creative leads. I mean, it just had so many issues. And then, yeah, it's just been kind of screwed around. Oh, no. Then, sorry. EA, I believe soft canceled it I want to say where they're just like you know that was when they were going all like there's no money in single player games everything needs to be multiplayer so then it was kind of canceled for a bit brought back to life once EA kind of really realized oh shit actually this stuff makes money what were we talking about and yeah I don't, I don't know what this schedule is I, I'm not going to believe anything you know we're talking about they want to pretend this game's coming in a year. It kind of feels like Starfield to me, where it's like, we still don't have anything tangible. We have no gameplay video. All they've ever given us for Dragon Age specifically is, like, art. Like, background art. You know? So I'm like, yeah, okay, maybe this does come out next year, late next year. I'm already going to call it. It's delayed maybe early 2024. For me, my perspective on this, I've never been a Dragon Age fan. I'm not against it either. I think there are games of that nature that I prefer. Uh, I, I feel like competition in that style 
has really ramped up. We're seeing a lot more games, I think, that are done in that way. They might be sequels of games that are already out there, but I think those games are pushing the boundaries. Like, I think I have a feeling like there's companies like Blizzard and now this company uh, was Bioware. Yeah. Uh, Companies like Blizzard and Bioware, they're looking at games like this Lost Ark and they're seeing what the potential of that game is, right? How massive the world is, that how like the structure of the quests and all that kind of thing. And they're looking at their own games and I think they're thinking like, damn, ours doesn't even meet that level or something like that. I feel like they're, they've got to be comparing notes almost as to like what the competition's doing and that their game is just not at that level. So I, I feel like the competition in that style has really ramped up. I know Dragon Age is very popular. There's a lot of big fans out there for, uh, for the series. I don't think it's a massively huge uh, fan group. Maybe I'm wrong on that, but I don't know. It's, uh, delaying it to 2024 is like, maybe this is what Bioware needs, but they just need a break. Mm. And they need to do it right when whatever the next thing is. Because they're, cause they're talking about a new Mass Effect too, right? Yeah, I, I'm speculating by saying it's delayed to 2024, you know, and they haven't announced anything officially. It's just Grub saying late 2023. I just feel like, you know, again, the legacy of this game's development, in my opinion, it definitely qualifies for the term we use for development hell. And I don't know, like, I guess the other thing we can talk about, too, is like Bioware is not even Bioware anymore. No. If you look at all the people that have left Bioware. It's just a sad shell of its former self. And I, that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like maybe some of the newer, younger talent will have a chance to shine and, you know, put their own touch on things. And maybe they can add something special that wasn't there before. And I really hope that's the case. Uh, I just, you know, again, with how this has been going down, I just don't know if that's a possibility currently, but I, again, I really hope I'm wrong. Um, I am a dragon age fan, or at least I kind of am. I really enjoyed the first one. The second one was unique. I didn't hate it, but I, you know, it didn't feel triple a to me and it was weird. Um, you know, it was definitely a drastic change from the first one, especially if we compare it to the PC version, which I think was definitely the superior version. Um, and then three, I just didn't like at all. I, you know, they tried something different. They almost tried to go more towards PC, but again, it was a lot of for like forgettable quests and the story was so short and also forgettable. I just didn't love the characters. I'm a little worried about this one too, because it looks like he's going to share some of those characters, but we have no idea. So we're going to move on. Next is Elden Ring. Spoilers are appearing online ahead of next week's release. This one comes from VGC. I think we've also talked about this in homework. We already warned people, but it looks like it's uh, coming from different sources now. And fans eagerly awaiting next week's Elden Ring release should tread carefully online as new spoilers are doing the rounds and more are likely to follow. A couple of players who have managed to obtain Elden Ring early have reportedly been streaming it on Twitch. The game's intro cinematic has also been released online and have revealing screen grabs and gameplay details. While publisher Bandai Namco is seemingly doing its best to release suppress the leaks, players are nevertheless advised to be careful if they want to avoid any spoilers before the game's official release. 
Chris, not a big article, but uh, a little disappointing. But also, it's starting to just feel like the normal thing that happens before these games. Pretty early, though. Uh, over a week uh, before mm-hmm. it's supposed to be released. That's uh, I'm surprised that uh, whatever company they're using to get their games out there is... Uh, I was literally just going to say, can they please reveal that so I can start <laughs> so pre-ordering pre-order from the physical copy? <laughs> I'd be so happy if I had this game right now. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if, like, I, obviously if we haven't looked it up, but I, I imagine the, I wonder if the servers are even online, like how far you can get into the game without being connected to the network. I, I only, and again, I have no inside information, but I feel like they probably are only for the intent to let the media who have gotten their hands on it intentionally early to do the reviews. Cause I believe the embargoes this Wednesday. So I feel like they're probably turned on for those people. <laughs> but now all these media people are probably playing with these guys that got their copies early, yeah. just getting invaded and killed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Just a small article. Just be wary out there. Be careful. It's kind of weird that people would blatantly uh, stream it. Like, they're going to find you <laughs> like <laughs> I know obvious. So, but just like I said, just be careful. I don't think anybody wants to be spoiled on this one. So mm-hmm. EA reportedly said Halo Infinite's surprise launch hurt Battlefield 2042. This one comes from VGC. Okay. I'm just going to try to suppress my laughter. Battlefield 2042's troubled launch was also addressed during an EA town hall meeting this week, according to industry insider and reliable leaker Tom Henderson. During the meeting, EA's chief operating officer, Laura Mile Mill, reportedly reiterated what Wilson said publicly earlier this month, but she also partially attributed some of Battlefield 2042's struggles to Halo Infinite. 343 Industries surprisingly launched Halo Infinite's free-to-play multiplayer component via a beta on November 15th, which was three days after Battlefield 2042's early access period started and four days before the game's worldwide release. Henderson wrote in a report on X-Fire, following the game's launch, DICE rolled out its Day 1 and Day 0 patches to get the bug count down further. On this, mail continued and said that Battlefield 2042's launch and patches meant the game was stable and the er- and the early critical reception was good. However, according to EA, things took a turn. And that turn was the surprise release of Halo Infinite multiplayer. According to Meal, the comparison between both games was not favorable because Halo Infinite was a very polished title, whereas Battlefield 2042 contained bugs and wasn't as polished. wasn't as polished (laughs) the the understatement of possibly all of 2022 was there polish even near that i don't think there was that is uh that is just a good time article if i've ever heard one yeah i i honestly it's almost hard to take any of this seriously like i get it you're speaking to you know your money bags and your shareholders and you're trying to come up with excuses and reasons why maybe it's not doing so well and i guess they didn't want to take the onus of it's purely their fault and so it sounds like they're blaming halo i don't doubt that halo is a popular fps franchise and it came out of nowhere and they weren't expecting it but we have 200,000 signatures 
for refunds for this game. Like people still supported this game. This game was one of the highest selling games of that month. Still, you know, Halo's not the core issue here. The core issue is your game doesn't work. Your game's not a game. I, I, you know, like it's just, it's, it just, yeah. I'm lost for words. It frustrates me when they have to try to bend the truth and like Mm -hmm. make these twists in the story to say, oh yeah, Halo. Yeah, they, they, they got us that we weren't expecting it to have this three, three day or early launch or whatever you want to call it for just the multiplayer mechanic that, that hurt. Ooh. Ooh, we couldn't bounce back from that. Meanwhile, you, like you said, you have that petition that's well over 200,000 signatures. And it's just the game's still not getting better. It's still. Well, and we talked about it last week. Like, the Steam numbers, they're down 96% of their player base. Yeah. I, I mean, that's not Halo Infinite's fault. No. There's people still playing old first-person shooters like Call of Duty Black Ops, the original one. It probably has higher numbers than this. That's not true, but you know what I mean? Like, the numbers are not good. And we, we're, I mean, we're going to talk about it next, but uh, Cyberpunk also didn't warn people with the next-gen version. Are they going to blame that next? Yeah. That's a first-person shooter. Yeah. You know, there we go. There's no multiplayer component, but EA can find a way <laughs> to blame it, you know? <laughs> Why not? I just, yeah, I don't know. This just seems like nonsense, and uh, it, it's almost more humiliating when you know you know the industry itself and you're like man this has nothing to do with halo infinite and you guys you just need to do better steve uh horizon struggling uh they weren't expecting a next gen patch for cyberpunk and it's it's tough it's tough it's we weren't expecting that (laughs) well and the other thing that like kind of upsets me too actually is in one of the quotes here the early, uh, the early critical reception was good. I, I, I absolutely know that's not true. It's not true. I've, I've listened to Twitch streamers and other people that apparently got closed early access like months before it released, and even in that access, they, they could tell the game was broken. They, they, you know, this hasn't been a surprise for a long time. So, I, I just everything here just seems, yeah, like they're. Um, they're just not playing the truth game. I guess that's the, the only way I could put this right now. So anyway, enough of that. I, I don't even think my brain can handle anymore. So let's move on. X Witcher 3 Cyberpunk 2077 developers form new studio Rebel Wolves to develop next gen RPG. This one comes from Game Informer. Revealed today, Rebel Wolves was created by the Witcher 3 game director. Conrad, <laughs> God help me. Everybody, we're going to do this together. Tom Askazwick. I'm I'm trying to not be a bad person, but that is a hard last name. I really, uh, there's just no way I'm going to be able to say that. So, hello, Conrad T, (laughs) who is also the head of production and secondary game director of Cyberpunk 2077. Mr. T envisions Rebel Wolves creating vibrant virtual worlds filled with emotions and unique experiences while also leading a studio that puts the team first at all times. Speaking further on that, a Rebel Wolves press release says the studio wants to break away from, in quotes, the weight of AAA development studios instead approaching every goal as a team. 
Uh, and another quote, a lone wolf may be powerful, but true strength lies in the pack. The press release reads, uh, the team is currently working on a AAA story-driven RPG saga for PCs and next-gen consoles, and it promises it will have more to share soon. I, you know what? It's one of those things where I'm, I don't know if I should get excited, but hey, he did The Witcher 3, and that's a really great game. And I do like his, uh, you know, it seems very on the nose. Like, he clearly wasn't happy with how, you know, Cyberpunk 2077 went down. I'm sure he wasn't happy with the board and all the decisions that they forced through and why that game came out in such a terrible state. So I kind of like everything he's saying. And I don't know, like, it sounds like he had a lot to do with the quests in Witcher 2. And, you know, Witcher 2 and Witcher 3 is some of the best side quests I've ever seen in a game. So I'm excited to see more. But again, it's one of those things where it's like, well, the announcement itself, though, is just that you formed something. You don't have anything yet um so i don't want to be too harsh but at the same time it's not really much but you know again you have my interest there we go yeah we'll see a game maybe in six years maybe Mm -hmm. four to six i'll be generous yeah the his comment about the weight of a triple a development studio it's weird thinking like cd project as a triple a studio like yes they make bangers for sure but they're only making like one game at a time so it's weird to i don't know in my head i'm I'm having trouble justifying that i i know what their management did and their board of directors like they really royally effed up on cyberpunk and that's definitely the weight but that weight should never have been there it really shouldn't have like you're you're a company that works on one game at a time you shouldn't have these pressures they did buy the um other um studio in vancouver recently and i know that they're now talking like you know we've talked about this in the past year yeah. but they are going to work on witcher and cyberpunk at the same time um yeah i get what you're it's, saying I'm, but like it's not ea I, I or ubisoft where they're working on no. many titles is what i'm saying but yeah. they they are technically and from a technical standpoint they are a triple a developer now i mean no one can come out and tell me that Witcher 3 isn't a triple S A game. It's a triple A game. Is it a triple A development studio just because it made a triple A game? I don't know. There's there's some like indie games that you could say really knocked out of the park and you could almost say they could have been triple A, but it's is the studio a triple A studio just because they had one hit like massive hit? I don't know. I don't know. Well, I'd say Cyberpunk, even through its faults, that's still definitely like at least on pc that's still a triple a game yeah it's just- so i mean i make the argument that like at what point can we call anything a triple a studio i think it's just- if you're saying they have to have like 10 yeah, games I don't know. I, it's hard to say i i, I if you wanted to come at me with the argument games. that they're an early triple yes, a studio sure. or an um sure an infant in the infant stages of being fine you know what steve i'm looking for the quadruple a i I don't even give a shit about (laughs) triple a anymore you want the quadruple a you gotta you gotta go to remedy and crossfire x Uh, (laughs) you gotta get that quadruple a quality cyberpunk 2077 new gen update now live includes ai previously not didn't have any i guess (laughs) <laughs> includes improvements to AI and driving overhauls, new weapons, better crowds, and more. This one comes in from Game Informer. If you were waiting to play CD Projekt Red's latest RPG, I was. 
2020 Cyberpunk 2077 on new gen consoles, now is your time because patch 1.5 is the game's new gen update and it's out now on PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and S. As expected, this patch brings a wealth of changes to the game systems and gameplay, including AI overhauls, big changes to the driving, new apartments to rent, changes to the open world map, and of course, different modes to experience Cyberpunk 2077. On the changes, fixes, improvements, and bug squashing side of things, there are hundreds of improvements, which we've seen in previous patch notes, uh, in this patch uh, 1.5. For a full breakdown, you can read those patch notes, uh, which I assume would put you to sleep. Because there's too massive. Too massive. It is literally too massive. Like, you are not underselling this. Um, Th- this one kind of... We couldn't even begin. Yeah. This one kind of surprised me. Like, I thought we would have had more notice of this coming than just, mm-hmm. boom, 1.5. You got it. I was very much expecting some, like, you know lead up to it like over the next like okay next month we're going to be releasing on this day this one really came as as a surprise i think and it's weird that they try to place it right in between of like hey this month has games (laughs) i honestly wonder if it's just one of the situations where they've been the butt of so many jokes for so long that unless they had actual tangible proof and evidence that like they did the work finally that I wonder if they thought that people would just mock them even longer until like, you know, let's say they came out in your hypothetical and they're like, okay, like here's an overview and in three months, but then I think they knew for those three months, everyone would be like, oh yeah, we know it's coming. We know it's coming where now you can say, hey, like we're not just talk and talk. Like you can now play like, you know, I didn't even bring it up in this article, but I believe right now, at least for PlayStation, I'm sure Xbox as well, but there's like a five hour demo you can play for free. So, I mean, they really want you to know that, like, they think they've done the work. I can't speak to this. I haven't tried the next-gen version. I have no interest. As anyone that's listened to this podcast for a couple weeks knows, I just played it with my newer computer that I just recently got. It's got, like, a GTX 3070. And so I technically have already played the next-gen or new-gen version. And it's fine. Like, there's some things in this, though, that I won't get to experience. Like, because, again, the the AI overall, like, um, overhauls and all those changes weren't in my version. So like this is even better than what I've played I guess technically, not from a visual standpoint, but like just a technical one. Um but it's it's just weird. I mean, you still go into like some of the um, excuses almost like we were making fun of EA before. I mean, they go in and say like it's the AI and the NPCs AI specifically is why this game couldn't work on previous gen. And then I look at like their overhauls, Chris, and I'm using air quotes for anyone that can't see me, which is basically everyone listening to this. And they basically say that like the AI they implemented is that people react to you pulling out a gun or shooting. And I'm like, wait, you're saying previous gens can't do that? Because if we recall our conversation about GTA 5 being on a a PS3 game, they had those features, Chris. (laughs) People would run away and scream and drive really fast if you pull out a gun. So I would really like to know what they mean by that or if they're just, again, saying things for the sake of saying it. But getting back on point, it seems like people are happy about this. I've seen multiple of my own friends in my own circles uh, revisiting this game. I don't think I will. Again, I'm just so fresh off of it that it's not something I need to rush to. I'm definitely excited to get into it. I've been waiting a long time for it, to be honest. Because I, I have I had and have hopes that it will be 
at least a portion of what I, the vision I had in my head of the game, what it was going to be. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm, I'm hopeful. I feel like this 1.5 patch is what the game should have been when it was released. Now that might be a stretch because that was what over a, how long ago was that now? A year and a bit? Was it a year? Yeah, a year and a bit. It, right? it came out in December, right? Yeah, so it's so a, year a year and a and bit, like two months, and it's like, well, it's like, well, we couldn't have pushed the game another year. No, I, I get that, but you should have. <laughs> so, looking forward to playing it. That's all I could say. Uh, I don't know when I'm gonna have time. I might pivot from Dying Light to this because I'm definitely uh-huh. more interested in this than I am Dying Light. But we'll have to see. We'll have to see. Lost Ark, man. It's got me. So yeah, anyway, if you're interested, if you've already bought, purchased this game and like Chris and many of my other friends, you didn't dive too deeply into it because you knew there was a better version coming, you can get it now and it's free if you already purchased the game and otherwise, I mean, it's on sale everywhere else. I don't know about the consoles themselves, but I know Steam right now, it's like half off. So there you go. Moving on. Sebastian Paul leaves Haven Studios. This one comes from GameIndustry.biz. So anyway, Jay Raymond last week was talking about this game. I don't think me and you spoke about it. It just kind of seemed like nonsense talk, and they're so early in development, I didn't really want to talk more about the studio. But now I think there's something to actually talk about. And it sounds like Haven Studios co-founder Sebastian Paul left the company this week. Not a great sign for a brand new company that literally Sony partnered with, gave them stacks of cash. Why someone would leave so soon kind of worries me. But anyway, we'll get into the article. Uh, Like I just said, Sebastian Paul has left the company. Having spent 15 years with Ubisoft, Paul left the Assassin's Creed maker in June 2019 and went on to become a general manager of Google Stadia Games. In May last year, Paul was among six Stadia staff that left the firm to join Haven, founded and headed by fellow Stadia and Ubisoft executive Jay Raymond. Moving forward, Haven co-founder Pierre-Francois Sapinski, I hope I said all that right, will move into the role of COO, while senior producer Pola Joyox, Joyex? We are not I don't French. know, I'm so sorry. We are not French, uh, is stepping into the role of executive producer. Uh, In quotes, it is with great sadness that we share the studio departure of founding Haven, Havener, sorry, Seb Paul. Uh, Haven confirmed to GameIndustry.biz, Seb is a rare talent whose career and track record as a leader speak for themselves, and we will miss his energy and enthusiasm as we continue our journey at Haven. Seb remains a dear friend to the Haven team, and we wish him the very best in his next adventures. Uh, and then, like I was talking about before, the article we didn't really talk about was Jay Raymond basically speaking to publication Lead DVR. Uh, earlier this month, Raymond describes Haven's main project as a persistent and evolving online in- environment. Um, so anyway, yeah, I don't. I mean, this is very concerning, in my opinion. Uh, to have someone leave so soon uh, before you've even shown anything, uh, you know, especially when you're in a secure position, you just got all this money from PlayStation, getting that partnership with them as a second party studio, you know, again, doesn't look great. I'm wondering kind of what's going on, or maybe he just didn't click with the project that Raymond uh, is pushing for. So a lot of speculation here. It's just, 
yeah, I guess the only thing I can do is read that and be like, hmm, that's weird that you would like form your your own team and then leave your own team. Yeah, it's very odd. And all you've done now is piqued my interest. Now, I'm just curious because I, I really would like to know because that is quite fast to leave. Um, I hope to God it's not an issue with the company or anything like that. Not to say I want something else like hopefully it's just a valid reason to leave the company um but yeah it i I don't even know how to speculate on this i'm concerned for sure yeah um hopefully we'll get some sort of i don't know if we ever will to be honest but it'd be nice to get clarification as to why he was leaving i feel like if it was on good terms they might tell us why but if it's not then we might never hear about it so Mm-hmm. No news might be bad news in this regard. So I don't know. It's hard to, I think you've nailed it. I think the only thing that comes to mind is like, he either got an offer. He couldn't refuse from maybe a team that he's just idolized forever. And maybe the amount of money thrown at him. But again, that's just me speculating or the more likely is I just don't think he had a passion for the project that they wanted to make. And maybe he needed to take a step back because he knew he'd be a hindrance to the production of this. So yeah, it could be that could be a health issue, family issue, who knows. Oh, for sure. Um I will also state though like I'm not too concerned about the project itself. I mean, it's a little weird Still that he would early. leave in the, in this way, but he wasn't a creative role. You know, it's just like Jay Raymond, uh they're both kind of producers, so yeah, I'm not too concerned that it would affect the property itself. I just by the description alone, I'm I'm more concerned, but otherwise we're just really dancing on the speculation line like usual. So anyway, we need to move on. We finished all our news articles. So let's get to review roundup because we actually have some roundups to do. Horizon Forbidden West obviously came out this week. Very excited. PS5, uh, 88 critic score currently one point below its predecessor. But who knows, this game's got a lot of reviews on it, so I think that's more likely the reason. So you have 99 positive, 6 mixed, so if you were cautious, it sounds like most people would tell you to at least give it a try, but who knows, it's your money. All I will say, though, if you are planning to buy this after you listen to this episode, buy the PS4 version. It's $10 cheaper. I keep saying this. You need to do this. Get it. Uh, Monarch PS5 68 critic score five positive nine mixed one negative. This is a weird persona like game. Uh, I know there was some early hype on it. Unfortunately, the critic scores don't seem as positive. Uh, but you know, still look into it. Maybe it's something you'll like. Uh, Dynasty Warriors nine empires. This one's on the PS5 60 critic score on Metacritic four positive 18 mixed five negative. And lastly, Crossfire X on the Series X and Series S, 43 critic score, one mixed, seven negative, uh, user scores 2.9, 22 positive, four mixed, 77 negative. And that one's a weird one because I believe two different studios did the single player versus the multiplayer. Multiplayer, I know IGN gave a two and Remedy worked on the single player and that only got a three. So not a great week, or not as great of a week for Siri or Xbox fans as it was for PlayStation. But, uh, you know, I don't think anyone had that high hopes for Crossfire X anyway. So they did. <laughs> you still have Halo. Yeah, I guess they did. But 
There you go. So we finished review roundup. That means we only have one more thing to get to, and that is homework. What is homework? Homework is when we don't have enough time in the show to get through all the things that happened this week in news. So we just kind of give you the headlines, the where you can find those headlines, and then you go educate yourself. Assassin's Creed Valhalla makes Ubisoft more than $1 billion. This one comes from Push Square. We talked about that before. PlayStation Liverpool's new luxury city digs look lovely. This one comes from Push Square. Basically, we talked about a couple weeks ago, they were getting a new uh, location, and you can go see it. It has a gym. It looks amazing. Get it. A Bioshock film is in the works at Netflix and Take Two. This one comes from VGC. I'm kind of concerned because Netflix is very hit and miss. And if they don't put the proper budget, I am concerned this is going to look like a green screen mess. And the proper people working on the project. They haven't said any names yet, obviously, because it's still early, but they need the right people for this this type of project. That's for sure. Uh, Free PS5, PS4, No Man's Sky, Sentinel Update, Transforms Combat. This one comes from Push Square, the game that will never end. And uh, yeah, you can get giant Sentinel Max now. Yay. Uh, Sony planting trees for unlocking Horizon Forbidden West trophy. This one comes from Push Square. Uh, you know, good. I like that something positive can come from playing games. Then something that actually benefit the planet too. Yeah. I'm always something pro positive for that. from getting trophies. Finally, other than my time mm. being, thrown it's down the finally planet. a way that I can save the world by sitting on my ass. Yeah. It's what I've been waiting for my whole life. <laughs> The general sale of PS5 console covers has seemingly been delayed. This one comes from VGC. Ubisoft says Skull and Bones is now a multiplayer first game. This one comes from VGC. Apparently, they're still working on that one. We're all interested to see where that will go. Sony unveils new PlayStation Productions animation that will play before the Uncharted movie. This one comes from Game Informer. And finally, New Horizon Forbidden West Lego set includes detailed Aloy minifigure and tall neck Dino or Dino. I just wanted to say Dino. This one comes from Game Informer. Okay, everybody, that's it. That is everything for this week's episode. So until next Monday, again, as always, we just have to thank you for your time. It's your most valuable currency. The fact that you spend any of it on us humbles us deeply and we're appreciative. Thank you very much. And like I said, until next week, goodbye. Bye, guys. Bye, guys.